Hey guys, welcome to the Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. I forget to remind you all sometimes, but I am walking in the woods. Hopefully, you'll start to hear birds soon. It's late February, but feeling pretty warm. And I'm hopeful March. <laughs> hey, we already have flowers here, blooming flowers. <laughs> That's great. And buds on the trees. Anyway, just reminding you, we are in the middle of a series, or really towards the end of a series called Wounded. We've just gone through the six parts of our being, the three centers of knowing and the three centers three centers of being. And now we're doing some wrap-up, two episodes of wrap-up. This episode is number 13, and it is the whole. Remember, we started with the parts, talking about all these six parts. And I said there's a seventh component <laughs> that's not of us but can be in us and that seventh part is God and that's what we're talking about today the whole how all these parts fit together work together properly and how as they come back to their proper functioning guided by God from his spirit to our spirit how that really solves the core wound which is separation from God right through reintroduction to God and reacclimation to life with God. That's what we're going to talk about today in this episode of Wounded. All right, let's get to it. So what does the founder of the Orthodox Church in America, the Beatles, and the diabolical boss have in common, along with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about in this episode, episode 13 of the series Wounded. And yeah, today is the whole. Like, how do we put all these parts together? How do they work together properly, functioning properly with the proper soul space? Not too close, not too far apart. Not completely disconnected, but not too tightly connected. That's what we're going to talk about today. And how all those really work properly when being led by the Holy Spirit. Remember our core wound is separation from God. The core remedy is being back in relationship with God, right? Like, this is how everything went wrong. We lost this God connection. But it's, it's not a perfunctory kind of reconnection, is it? Like, God is a person. God has a personhood. God has all these parts in a way, I, you know, we wouldn't say God has a physical body, but it's cool because uh, the Franciscan monks teach that the earth is like God's body, right? That's kind of cool, like the created cosmos, you could say, or the earth, the material world is like God's body. And Romans chapter 1, verse 20, that's around there anyway, it says that the invisible qualities of God are apparent, being visibly seen through what is created. And so in a sense, God does have a body as well but like God has a presence of course even if we know God God is pure spirit God has a presence in all things that he created like an artist like you can see an artist and there's a distinct characteristic to each artist and the way they create art right God as the artist the creator has a presence in the world it's a real presence God is a real person with real presence. Getting reconnected back to God isn't a perfunctory kind of legal issue, right? We can kind of think of it in legal terms and, um, you know, there's the law, there's the rules, and there's the broken rules, and there's the need for blood sacrifice to appease this, this broken relationship, all those things, not necessarily untrue, but not the core of everything. Right? So it's not just like we perform a rite, baptism, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and there's a legal issue that is now resolved. That's not the core or deepest understanding of what Christ came to do. Like, there may be things against us, a ledger of wrath, you could say, or just, a, you know, things that we genuinely deserve to be judged for. That, that has to be dealt with. Jesus on the cross, according to scripture, dealt with that, right? But that getting that out of the way 
is not the same thing as getting back into a relationship with God. And scripture is really clear. Like there's a lot of instruction about what we do after we come to Christ, after we get saved, right? Even salvation is really in scripture considered a process. There's so much. Why? Because like getting that legal issue dealt with, really getting, uh, getting that resolved, you could say. That's a beginning. That's not, but that's a beginning of relationship. Now we can have a, a true relationship with God. Like in a sense, if you think of our sin against God as being in the way, and then that's dealt with. Now what? Now we're free to be in a relationship with God because there's nothing between us. Nothing now stands in the way of a fuller kind of relationship with God. Though I don't think God is separate from us before we are quote saved or before we really start to acquiesce or um, submit to this process. Like God's with, I think God's with everybody, drawing everybody. That's what a good father does. But like God is a person and the ultimate goal is to get back in contact with that person. And so like the cool thing is all these parts, right? Our heart, mind, body, these parts are made to experience data from the world, but also data from God, data from the spiritual. And that's partly what I've been talking about. You know, I talked about the two arenas. That's how I started this whole series, the two arenas, spiritual, physical. And like we get data from both, right? And so I would say the body gets more data from the physical, although it's not exclusive. The heart, more data from the spiritual, in a sense, the mind Maybe both. Like the mind is the bridge, right? Between those two. So the mind can get kind of <clears throat> data from both. The mind takes in data from all, from these two arenas. But like the cool thing is, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're used to and quite well aware of the data that might come from the physical world, that the physical arena. But what about the spiritual arena? Well, your heart, mind, and body are actually registering spiritual energy from the spiritual from your spirit through your soul to your body mind and heart and so like we need to begin not to experience god for the first time but to recognize that we already are man this is so cool like the last six years since my breakdown man of all the stuff i've gone through you know, we talked about the flesh last time, learning, like most of this journey has been learning to get the flesh out of the way and how the flesh dominates through the mind, right? The mindset in the flesh is death. But like getting the wound re resolved, coming back to life, getting all these parts, dis you know, pulled apart, separated, put back together correctly, functioning according to God's purpose. Like it all has to do with coming into contact with God in a more direct way. What? So you can sense God in your heart. You can sense God in your body. You can sense God in your mind. You begin to be aware of your soul. You begin to walk through the world in communion with God, talking with God and God talking with you through the soul, through the spirit. And even the flesh, your will gets put in its proper place, subservient to God's will so that it is obedient, not to its own will or the will of the mind, but to obedience to God and God's will. Like... The whole purpose is that we begin to really experience God. That is the picture of a thriving life that Jesus talked about. He talked about an abundant life or life more abundantly. He talked about a wellspring of life flowing up from where? Inside us. From inside us, he said, like he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Jesus and God the Father, he said, he said, we will make our home with you, in you, through the Holy Spirit. Like there was this, there was this residence that God begins to take up in our lives. But it's not theoretical, metaphorical. It's not abstract. Of course, remember I said, you know, Christianity is has become dominated by the rational center. And so our concept of relationship with God has become very abstract as well, but it's not. You can begin to experience God in your thoughts, God in your emotions, God even in your physical body, God in, through your soul, God through your spirit, God through your flesh. <laughs> 
This is what it, it's all about. This is why we were created. This is the wound separation that's getting healed. And this is the result is reconnection back to God. If that's not happening, then you're not being healed. Right? Healing is you can begin to sense God. And not just God, but spiritual things in general. Right? There's two spiritual kingdoms the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of light god's kingdom satan's like the reality is we are experiencing these things you feel these energies you just like when you experience them in the dark you you translate them into biological processes in your body chemical processes from your brain like you're darkened right that's what we talked about when you begin to become aware that some of what you're feeling is from the spiritual you begin to be opened up to those things. And you're growing, right? You're becoming alive. God intended us to live in harmony with ourselves, God, the world. Like, God never intended there to be a kingdom of darkness, of course. God never intended us to live life separate from Him. God never intended all our parts to be so disconnected, distorted, dysfunctional. God never intended us to operate in our own will apart from Him in the flesh, tethered to the mind. God never intended our spirits to be dark. God intended us to walk tethered to His will, His guidance, able to hear His voice. Like Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. What do you see in Scripture? All over the pages of Scripture, people who could hear God, right? Jesus could hear people's thoughts. He knew when evil spirits were present. Guess what? Jesus is our model. Guess what? Jesus said, you're going to be like me and you're going to do the things I did and even more, even greater things. Are we doing even greater things than Jesus or not even the things Jesus did? Right? Are you healing people? Are you casting out evil spirits? Are you, do you have spiritual discernment, spiritual awareness? I mean, not necessarily all those things are going to be given to each of us because the Holy Spirit gives gifts according to the Spirit's desire. That's what Scripture says. But like... Like, hey, Jesus said, do the things I do and greater things. So if you're not even doing the things Jesus did, especially not greater things, you're doing lesser things. You're not there yet. That's okay. That's what we're talking about. We're wounded. But coming back to life means we can hear God like Jesus did. We can step into God's will, purpose for us like Jesus did. We have a mission. We have a purpose. We were created with an identity. We were created to live in concert with God and to only know ourselves in relationship with God. Like really hearing God. The Bible is full of story after story after story of people who could hear God. Adam and Eve heard God because he told them, do this, don't eat of that tree, do this, do, don't do that. Prophets, Moses, Jesus, the apostles, people in the Bible heard God. You can hear God. That's the point of the healing we need to go through. The end result should be you start to hear God. What does that look like? <laughs> that is hard to explain. But what it looks like is, more than anything, as we've talked about, stillness, peace, shalom, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, Scripture is pretty clear about what it looks like to live life near God. It doesn't always give good, clear instruction about how to produce that. Other than the model Jesus really put forth, which was discipleship, which was hang out with people who know God and you'll learn to know God. Like, live life with people who know how to live life with God and you'll learn how to live life with God. That was his main model. There was no 12 steps, no pamphlet, no document, no written, like special secret knowledge code steps. Jesus was like, hey, this is it. I'm teaching these 12 guys how to really know God. They're going to teach others who teach others who teach others who teach others who teach others. And here we are, except the process has been truncated. Who really knows God anymore? Who really hears God anymore? Who in your church, who around you says, yeah, God talks to me daily. And I talk to God. Remember um, Sojourner Truth? People, I talk to God and God talks to me. <laughs> like who around you says that, lives that out in a way that you can see it and the way that you can go, hey, disciple me. 
teach me how to know God. Well, you can't get it just by reading your Bible, going to church and hearing sermons, doing good service projects, giving your 10% tithe. Those are all good things, but you, don't, you won't learn how to really know and hear and follow God if you can't get around people that also know that and can model it for you. I hope that I'm able to give you a, a, a taste of that and, and some insight into doing that through this podcast, but you really need flesh and blood. <laughs> like, I didn't have that. So here I am, an example of someone who didn't have a lot of flesh and blood uh, mentors teaching me how to know God. Still got there. Why? Because I had a spiritual mentor, the Holy Spirit, and I had books. Like, you'll find it. But you know what? It took me a long time to get there. I don't think it had to have taken as long as it did for me, but it did take as long because I didn't have living, breathing examples of people around me to walk with me, to teach me. It's harder to learn from books. But hey, you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. The Holy Spirit is with you. But man, that's the goal. Learning to hear God. What does that look like? Oh, man. You know, what it looks like first, often, is God beginning to confront our dysfunction. That's what this series is about, Wounded. God, you know, we all want to be healed. <laughs> There's a, I think it's Peter Tosh who has this line in the song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to die. <laughs> everybody wanna, wants to get healed, but nobody wants to peel back the bandages and expose the wounds, right? Everybody wants healed, like, yes. But are you willing to go through the suffering and the hard work and exposing the wounds and really feeling that pain? Like, a lot of the Christian journey is God digging into our dysfunction, revealing, and that doesn't feel good. It never feels good. It doesn't feel good to suffer, but we know intrinsically to get to good things, we have to suffer to build muscles, to work. Like, there's sacrifice and suffering that comes with progress and moving towards better things. There's sacrifices that need to be made to get healthier. We know that, especially in the material realm. Harder sometimes in the spiritual. And you know what? It's not possible without a guide. It's kind of hard sometimes. We're trying to get to a place where God can speak to us so we can begin to be healed. But part of the thing we need healing from is the fact that we can't hear God. We have lots of good examples through scripture, books. I hope there are some wise elders you can, you know, learn from, whether directly or indirectly. I hope that I can be that for you in some ways. But um, it is a hard process. There's definitely an intuitiveness to it. And there's a trust and there's a stepping out. There's a walking. There's a, there's a testing and a trusting. You know, more than anything, you've got to trust God's with you and God will lead you. I think more than anything, what has led me on this journey, kept me going, was I believed it was possible and I continued to believe it was possible and I never gave up. From an early age, somehow I got it in me that I could hear God and that this was essential, that this was the main thing. And I pursued that and slowly, small successes, small steps, Step after step, mile after mile, you know, season after season, year after year, it started to happen. And there's a point at which really you turn a corner. You really start to get going and you really start to begin to have a daily kind of sense of God. So I do want to get to some scriptures. I said... Um, I talked about <laughs> uh, the founder of the American the Orthodox Church in America. I'll go there first. This was a quote I saw online. I thought it was really good. So let's run over there. Um, this is Alexander Schmiemann. This is a quote from him. He was one of the founders of the Orthodox Church in America. Um, I'm trying to see when he is. Trying to see when he established that. 70s, looks like. Anyway, this is a quote from him. Every evil screams only one message. I am good. And here's my addition. Every good screams only one message. I am evil. 
that sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? But what I mean is, like, in the process of getting healed, we have to recognize where we're wounded. In the process of becoming good and holy as God desires, we have to recognize that we're not. And, you know, Scripture actually is pretty clear about this. This is, is not controversial to say. Paul says, no one's righteous. Not one. Nobody seeks after God. Nobody. Nobody's good. All have sinned and fallen short. Like, I think it's okay to say, every good screams only one message. I am evil. Like, we're constantly coming back to God, no matter how far we progress and saying, you know, I'm still not there, God. Maybe we're getting better. Are we good? Ah, uh, getting better. <laughs> I don't know. There's only Jesus, you know, someone came up to Jesus once and said, good teacher. And Jesus said, don't do that. Don't call me good. There's only one who's good, your Father in heaven. Hey, if Jesus said it. <laughs> I think it's okay. It's not self-debasing. It's actually encouraging to continue to grow. It's an encouragement to continue to grow, to say, I'm not good. I thought that was interesting. <sighs> like, we're talking about all these parts. We're talking about trying to figure out where we're wounded. A lot of that process is realizing what's wrong. Letting God lead us into what's wrong. Um, I just thought that was an interesting quote from Shmiman. There you go. Um, I do have some scriptures as well. I thought it was interesting. This I saw this article. I'll, I'll get to the Beatles. Okay. I saw this article uh, by Paul Jones. I'm trying to find a date on this. Oh, it's 1964. Tuesday, February 11th, 1964. He wrote it in a I don't even know what newspaper this is from. You could probably Google that information and figure it out. Anyway, anyway, so the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show. Like they had, this was the British invasion. You know, they were coming over, trying to, they had had great success in Britain and they were coming over to the US, right? Where Elvis was king and the Beach Boys were just really popular and the, the Beatles were coming over and, you know, they, they began what was called the British invasion. A lot of other British bands, you know, have continued to come over. Rolling Stones and, uh, others, but now Coldplay. <laughs> but so the Beatles played in the Ed Sullivan show, and you know the Ed Sullivan was really was there to highlight musicians and up and coming musicians. And this guy, like his article was, was called "Sullivan Wasted Time with the Beatles," and this guy just just you know he saw the 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 episode, the TV show with Sullivan and the Beatles, and he just rips the Beatles up and down. And this is the one thing he says. There is nothing attractive about the looks or the sound of the Beatles. There is no reason why Sullivan should take part in the absurd campaign to make this group appear to be important. <laughs> Paul Jones. You ever heard of him? No. Have you heard of the Beatles? Yes. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? The things we get wrong. The Beatles ended up being huge. Still are. I just watched the... The um, documentary series Get Back that chronicles the making of their album Let It Be. It's really cool to see them write music and stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of voices in your life that are speaking a lot of things. There's a lot of data coming to you in the world telling you a lot of things. Beginning to sort through that data, it's, it's what it means to start to um, understand where it's coming from, what to do with it, and how to bring it to God. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, we're, we get things wrong more than we get them right. Just like Paul Jones. Like this guy, I don't know who he was, but like he was dead wrong. He was so wrong. He was stuck. He was stuck in a rut in a way. The Beatles were a new sound, of course. He didn't like him. Probably let his ego <laughs> get in the way there. He, you know, he didn't like them, but... He was wrong. There's a lot coming to us that we have to sort through. We were never meant to do that alone. We gotta figure out, let God come in and separate all these things. So help us sort through all the data to see the truth of things. Otherwise, we're just like Paul Jones, we're stabbing in the dark. We don't like it. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean much. What I think, what I like, 
how I assess things. It doesn't mean much. We got to get out of our own assessment because we're founded in the wrong system. We got to get back to being under God's direction in a real and present way. I just thought that was interesting and kind of tied in that way. You know, hey, we get it wrong a lot. We're all Paul Jones sometimes. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some scripture. I want to start... Well, actually, I need to see where I want to start with scripture. Corinthians. Yeah, okay, so this is pretty cool. This is Paul talking about the body with many parts. He's talking about the, the body of the church, but I think it relates... Like the first thing I want you to understand is all your parts. Or through the scripture, what I want you to understand. All your parts have a purpose. We've got to bring them all into the light. Let God bring them all out, draw them out, figure out what's going on, separate them, put them back together. This is how this was interesting from Paul. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. We were all made to drink one spirit. For the body is not one part, but many. And he goes on to say, the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You know, you got to have all the parts working together for the whole to function. I think it is interesting. He says... For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slave free. We're all made to drink of one spirit. Here he's pointing to the spirit. It's the most important thing that unites us, brings us back together. That's true in the body of Christ, group of people. It's true in our own bodies, in our own personhood. Many parts. They're all important. We can't say, because we don't think emotions matter, I don't need the heart center. It's not that important. We can't say because we're not very rationally oriented. Ah, those logic, logical people are just terrible. We don't need that. We can't say we don't need our bodies <laughs> or our bodies aren't that important. We can't be abusive towards our bodies, right? Paul says, I beat my body to make it my slave. People often have taken misconstrued that to taking it literal. But what, what Paul is saying, he's like, just like an athlete, he, he uses the, the, some metaphors of an athlete, but he's like, run the race has to win. Like, train. I beat my body to make it my slave means I understand how my body, what, it, what my body needs to thrive. I understand I need to take care. It's a tool. It's a vessel. I got to take care of it. I got to feed it properly, fuel it correctly. Don't be putting a lot of junk food and sugar, right? Like, this is where I live too. Like, I want to be healthy. When I am going to eat something, often I'm researching. Is this good? Is it okay for me to drink two beers every once in a while? Is it healthy? What's the healthiest amount? When is too much unhealthy? Like, I drink a little whiskey from time to time. I think it's healthy. It's not healthy to be addicted, but I think whiskey is healthy in moderation. But, like, I want to know what's healthy for my body. I want to know what's healthy for my mind. I want to know what's healthy for my heart. I want to know what's healthy for my soul. I want to know what's healthy for my spirit. I want to know what's healthy for my flesh. I want to know how these, all these things are meant to operate. I want to bring them all into operation, and I want to have them all working together properly. I want the heart to inform the mind and the body, the body to inform the heart and mind, the mind to inform the heart and body. I want the spirit to lead them all. I want the soul space to be large. I want all these things working as they're meant to work with God leading them all. I think 1 Corinthians kind of points neatly to that idea. Let's go to Psalm 118. Like, we're talking about putting these all together. You know, the soul is kind of like the glue in a sense. It's like maybe the membrane, you could say. The fluid, everything floats in. But God is the center. God is like the electricity, the energy behind everything. And even, in by extension, the spiritual, really. Is spiritual energy is the essence and the spiritual is supersedes and precedes it's the bigger so I think we need to keep in mind in order for us to be whole holistic healthy in all these parts really God has to be central 
Psalm 118 expresses this idea. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy is everlasting. Let Israel say, his mercy mercy is everlasting. Let, oh, let the house of Aaron say, his mercy is everlasting. Let those who fear the Lord say, his mercy is everlasting. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and put me in an open space. For the Lord, or the Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in noblemen. Hmm. I like he starts out, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His mercy is everlasting. Let Israel say his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. He repeats that three times. Guys, guys saying, hey, what's this about? What's all this about? God. God is good. How do we get to that goodness? It's focused on God. Only God can do it. Only God can lead us, bring us back to health. We gotta get back in contact with God. Like, I don't I don't know where you live, what your day-to-day is like, but man, I don't see anything else worth my time, effort, energy, focus, attention than knowing and following Jesus. Pursuing relationship with God, truly coming to know God and walk with God on a day-to-day basis. He is good. His mercy is everlasting. When we're in trouble, verse 5, we can call on the Lord. He'll answer. It says, He put me in an open space. Like, He brought me to a good place. It's open. There's freedom. I'm not crowded in and closed in and cut off. Verse 6, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hey, you want peace? You want to be released from fear? Perfect love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's what First John says or John says in his first letter the Lord is for me I will not fear when you know and have a felt sense of God in all your parts it drives out fear our true enemy is death right our three enemies are the flesh the world and Satan and the, but the main tool is is death that's that's fear we're always afraid and we're running and we're running we're scared but we're angry and we're attacking we're we're actually moving in the energy of death instead of the energy of life. Like, death in all our parts. It's only the Lord that can bring us back to life in all our parts. Go Starting with verse, or picking up with verse 10 from Psalm 118. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished like a fire of thorn bushes. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. See the repetition here? This is a poem. It's a song. He's saying, you know, he's equating this to, you know, this was a very tribal culture. And they were were surrounded by a lot. There were always constant battles and wars between kingdoms and nations. And so this was a relevant kind of issue for this writer of the psalm. But we don't worry about that. We're not surrounded by other. No, we are. Lots of threats from the outside. Not just on a national level. On a local level, at work, in relationships, we feel at odds. We're surrounded, but we trust not in what we can do, what God can do. Verse 13, you pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. The right hand always symbolized power. It was a symbol of power and strength. And he's like, the strength of God is with me. He's my strength and my song, verse 14. He's become my salvation. Like this guy's just, everything is about God. God is the center. The seventh component, God. Leading. Guys, like everything I have, everything I need, everything I could ever want, Every fear I have, everything comes from God. God takes care of me. Verse 18, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not turned me over to death. Hmm, that's interesting. Remember we talked about suffering. We're going to have to face death. We're going to have to go through some discipline. God's going to have to reveal our woundedness. 
that was my breakdown. The chaos going on all around. It's like, it's hard to go through, right? But until we do, until we're willing to struggle and suffer, go through death, burial, resurrection, we won't get to that greater sensitivity to really start to hear God. Psalm 118 really focuses us on center. The thing that surrounds us, fills us, leads us, God, the Spirit. The Spirit is central to this whole process. We've got to come back to God. That's the core wound, separation from God. The core remedy is reconnection with God. How does that work? It's a good question. Um, it puts us into contact with the spiritual. Some, it's, it's odd. It's shocking sometimes. Uh, yesterday, I was in church. I actually went to two churches. I go to church with my family at one church, and then I, I go to a different church after that. Uh, both are just good churches. And so I went to my, the second church. I, it's my main my main denomination that I like. It's the vineyard. I'm in church. Great worship. Preacher starts preaching. And right in the middle of his sermon, bam, I was hit with a panic attack. It was a, it was a um, miniature panic attack. My, my heart started racing. I got hit with this wave of fear. And it was when he was, the pastor was telling a story about when he was in college and in the middle of a class, it, like the truth, this truth hit him and he started weeping. And that's when I got hit with that panic attack and I knew it was coming from him. And the whole rest of the sermon for 20 minutes, wave after wave of anxiety, and then my body started feeling cold, my heart's still racing, um, my mind starts to feel numb, I start to feel disoriented, I start to feel like I might fall over, I might black out. I was feeling some negative spiritual oppression from my pastor. I began to pray, intercede. That's one aspect of being more spiritually sensitive is we start to feel other people's wrestle. But you know, God allowed me to feel that, right? And that's the first thing I had to do was say, God is allowing me to experience this. What's going on, God? It was heavy. The whole rest of the day, that energy lingered with me. God was teaching me something too, though. He was teaching me how to trust in Him. It also pointed to some things in me that aren't fully resolved. But that's one way. That's odd, isn't it? But look, you know what was really cool? God reminded me, even in that moment, of a similar experience I had five years ago at the beginning of my breakdown. And he was like, do you remember what it was like? Because I was in church then too. I was at a vineyard church in Houston. I was visiting and I got hit with a similar experience. And man, it was bad. And I didn't understand what it was, where it came from. And I was mad at God about it. And I was like upset because I thought God was supposed to heal me. And I was having these bad experiences. Five years ago, for months, I didn't understand. I was mad at God. Why did he let me go through that? Isn't he supposed to protect me? And God reminded me of that. And and this similar experience where it wasn't as intense and I knew exactly what it was and I knew what to do and I came to God and it was totally different. And God was like, do you remember five years ago where you were and where you are now and how much you've grown and your sensitivity in the spirit and how much less it hurts you because your flesh has been much, much, much more subdued and, and how you, you're not confused. You're not mad at me. You know what's going on. You've learned. You've grown. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Like, and then there's the good side. I shouldn't tell too many stories about the bad. Like, there's the good side where, man, the spirit in my body counteracts even those bad things. And I just feel this presence of peace. Like, it's, it's interesting in my journey this far, six years learning these, all these things, heart, mind, body, learning how to be still on these things. My heart and my mind are almost always at peace now. It is so good when my heart and my mind can doesn't mean they don't experience the disturbing nature of spiritual things in the world. My spiritual sensitivity has increased. It's not decreased, but so is my strength. And so like when I have, when I feel negative emotions in my heart center, when I wrestle with negative thoughts, most of the time it doesn't, it doesn't rouse or push me out of peace. 
my body, I'm still kind of learning that in the body. Learning that shalom, that rest, that peace. You know how good it is though? Most days I walk through the world, no matter what comes at me, I am grounded and founded in peace and stillness and rest. And when an emotion and a th- or a thought come to me that's oppressive, it feels like nothing. Like it registers, I, I get it. But I'm like, ah, it's fine. Now my body, I'm still, I'm still wrestling. It's, the body's, I think, the hardest to come to that place of peace. And that's the next verse. I, I didn't get to this. I talked mostly about Hebrews chapter 4, about the dividing of soul and spirit. But I didn't talk a lot about chapter 3, entering rest. So let's go there. And that's just one way these things begin to just play out and the data centers, right? Right. But what's happening for me now is I have this soul space. I know. And like yesterday in the service, I felt something in my body and it's something in my mind. My heart, nothing. My heart wasn't roused at all. But I, there, I, I was wrestling mostly with what the body was feeling, this fear, this visceral fear came in the form of a panic attack. And then my body got cold, even though my heart was racing, which was something. But like, this is, this is the weird thing. This is so odd to me. I'm literally having a panic attack, sitting in church, still listening to the sermon, calm as can be, going, okay, God, hmm, interesting. So one of the questions I just asked God, the spirit, I was like, if my heart's racing, my body should be warm. But my body feels cold. What's going on? What's, why is that? Because biologically, that's actually the opposite of what should happen. All these, all these, all this adrenaline, and my heart's racing, and the blood's flowing. So, why is that? So, but it's my soul space that I'm going into. I'm able to step back and go, mm, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Panic attack doesn't feel good, does it? <laughs> no. But my soul space is like, I, you know, to the spirit, soul, Holy Spirit, I have the wisdom to be like. I knew where it was coming from. It made it so different. And I could sit back and observe and ask questions, and I got clarity, and God had some specific things for me to speak to my pastor, and I did. And my pastor is a really cool guy. He's very spiritually attuned. And his response was, I'll take that to the Spirit, and I'll sit with that. Which is really what you should say when anyone tells you they've heard from God for you, just so you know. Like, it's great. We should have mentors, and discipleship is great. But like, the point is that you're learning to hear God. Don't let someone else be the voice of God for you. That's the whole point. You got to come back in co- contact with God. That's the whole, like, nothing's getting healed if someone else is being the voice of God for you, right? It's not how it works. But So here's Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house. For he ha- has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we, are, if we hold firmly to our confidence and the boast of our hope. Interesting. Paul just said we are the house of Jesus Christ. You are the dwelling of Christ through the Holy Spirit. In all your parts. Like a house is made up of lots of parts, lots of rooms. The point is to start to let God come into all those rooms and all the spaces and reorganize and rearrange and declutter and clean and turn your house, the house of your personhood, into something holy, healthy, healed. Good. That's cool, isn't it? Verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says... This is so great. Paul's like, oh yeah, by the way, the Holy Spirit does speak. Like, you, you know that, right? Like, Paul just assumes he's, the, his hearers understand, at least in principle, that we're supposed to be hearing the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me as on the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they will always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my anger, they shall certainly not enter my rest. It's interesting. He said they always go astray in their heart. 
you know, again, like that can be somewhat the emotive, but that's also the center of the person in the Jewish mind. But like he's saying at the core of who they are, they did not know God's ways. Like it's not principles. They had the law, right? And that's not that there wasn't a, a matter of not knowing the right truths. They didn't know God's ways. They didn't know how to hear and follow God through the Holy Spirit, right? Like, look, this is, these are the Israelites wandering through the desert. Do you know what they had? They had a cloud of, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Food just showed up every morning. God led them. It wasn't a problem. It's like, like on the surface they were following God. They couldn't help it. When the pillars, fire or cloud stopped, they stopped and camped. When the, they moved, they moved. It was like they were like, they could have said, hey, we're following God. What's the deal? They said in their heart, they didn't know God's ways. God didn't say, you're not following me like literally. Like I know you're following and like, you know, I'm showing up. I'm feeding you. Like I've delivered. You've seen the, mir the miracles. That's what he says. He's like, they saw my works for 40 years. Like they experienced God peripherally. But in their heart, in their personhood, they didn't have the presence of God really in them in an intimate way. Man, you can be practicing religion. 40 years is a long time to practice a religion, to see God do things, and yet still your heart doesn't change. Still healing doesn't happen. It's not a, it's not a ritualistic, legalistic, liturgical kind of perfunctory thing we're in. Where you accept some truths, you get in the water, you go to church. This is a relationship. Verse 12, Hebrews. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there will, be, there will not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Again, like this is about knowing God. Falling away from the living God. He's like, hey, God's alive, present. Take care that your heart, that in your personhood, you're not just going through the rituals, but you actually have a relationship with God. 13. But encourage one another every day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What is sin? Separation from God. For we have become partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Verse 19, I'm just skipping a couple. And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Starting with verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore we must fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. You know, Paul's talking to Christians. He's talking about the, he's talking about the Jews too. It's like the Jews started this process of following God through the desert to get to the promised land. And they actually got to the promised land, but they couldn't enter in because they hadn't already entered into God. You can't enter into the things God has for you until you've entered into God himself, the living God. He's saying we're coming back to the living God, a relationship with a living God. You can't get to the things God has for you if you first don't come to God himself. Don't come short of his rest. What is the rest of God? When all our parts are taken apart, pulled apart, put back together as God intends with God himself present in them where we can really sense God through all our parts. Does it sound crazy that in my body I'm feeling someone else's dysfunction? In my heart I can feel their emotional dysfunction. In my mind I can feel their, their dysfunctional thoughts. Mm, Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus did it. I want to be like Jesus, don't you? Huh? Well, but that, that doesn't, that, that sounds... Weird also sounds like it might be painful, hard to learn. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But what are we doing? I'm just going to go to church, follow some good rules, good principles. No, that's not entering God's rest. And so you can, that's fine. You can, accept, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can live your whole life a Christian, following some good rules, principles that are godly. Giving your child, doing some good works, all that's fine. But guess what? won't heal you of your core wound, God absence. It won't really resolve the anxiety, the fear. You're going to live just like the rest of the world in practical terms in your day-to-day -day life. Your wounds, your struggles, your fears, the presence of death, your, your 
ability to love people, the fruits of the Spirit, your ability to be joyful, patient, kind, self-controlled. None of that will really change because it's the presence of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit in you that changes all this. Are you struggling with anxiety? Are you struggling with anger, rage, lust? You're trying to grind it out yourself? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's not healing. Healing isn't you got to do better. Healing is God wants to come in. And man, I can't tell you thousands upon thousands of things God's pointed out, done healing work in in me. Like, there's no way I could have ever mapped all this out, even saw it, let alone learn, known how to fix it. You know, just yesterday, as I was experiencing a lot of this thing, this stuff from my pastor, I could feel in my body something that needed to come out. Some there's some stronghold in my body still. I I still don't know. And as I was driving over here on my motorcycle to record this podcast, I asked God. I was like, "What is that, God?" You know, at this point, I know not to try to figure it out. I'm like, God, there's something. There's still a stronghold in me in my body that's still producing some fear. There's still a something in my body that's resistant to surrendering to you. I I don't even know, and I I don't have an answer yet. But I've asked the question, and I know God can answer, and he will. Cool? Like, the first thing was that I just, I took note of it, right? I, st- I had the soul space to step back in and listen and hear and be like, man, I, I'm just feeling something in my body. Like, there's something in it that's not supposed to be there. For you, it might be, man, you know what? Are you depressed a lot? At least you can start by saying, God, there's something in my heart that shouldn't be there. There's something in my mind that shouldn't be there. Soul, spirit, there's something not right. It's a, man, you feel it, don't you, before you can name it? Trying to name it? It's like Paul Jones trying to name the Beatles as the worst band ever. (laughs) Right? failed he he got it so wrong like we will get it wrong more than we get it right when we're trying to name our dysfunction and figure out how to fix it you'll have some success you'll find some wisdom in the world some psychology self-help books even christian ones you'll find some good stuff you'll blunder through the dark and maybe accidentally stumble on some things that actually do change your life for the better but when God gets involved, it's not, he's not throwing darts at a dartboard in the dark. He knows exactly what's wrong. He knows where. He knows how to fix it. And he knows exactly how to speak to you, to lead you, arrange your circumstances. But do you trust him? Do you know it's possible? Is that the journey you're on? The journey of healing? Of knowing that only God can do it? How do we enter God's rest? How do we come back to the living God, How do we keep from hardening our hearts? Well, maybe our hearts are already hardened. Actually, yes. We're already hardened to the way God works. That's where we start. That's okay. That's where we start. You don't start out knowing how to hear God, follow God. You start out with your will in hand. You start out with the mindset on the flesh. That's where we all start. You know, I talked about this boss. <laughs> this is a funny... I read this story. I think this story originally appeared on Reddit. It's kind of a fun revenge story, I have to say. I think we're done with Hebrews chapter 4. But I thought this was just humorous, right? So, this was review time. This was a smaller company. This person works for this company. They're a service-oriented company. And the boss... Like they, he got his raise and he noticed, he actually processed, I think he, this person was in HR, he was processing all the people's bonuses and he noticed his bonus was less than other people's. So he came to his boss and said, aren't, they, aren't bonuses related to performance and if so, what could I have done better to earn a better performance? And the, the boss said, the bonuses are not performance related, you are just more replaceable than others. This is what the boss said to this guy. So this guy's like, what the guy did, he went to his wife, another a prominent business leader in her own company, and talked it over. They went on, they were already had a vacation for two weeks. They went on the vacation, discussed what to do. And um, the guy came back to his boss. And just he decided to resign, give the give this two weeks notice. And the boss ended up firing him. The guy was just so this guy, this guy, 
started his own business in the same service industry, ended up eclipsing his old workplace so much that his old workplace basically went out of business within six months. He got a lot of the best employees that he used to work with. His company is now thriving. That company he works for is gone. <laughs> and the, the kicker was like his old boss was actually applying for a job at his wife's business. And he asked his wife, he's like, could I just go in and do the interview? And she was like, no, no, hard pass. But it was interesting. It's interesting when we don't recognize and value parts of a team Right, this guy. This guy was. This guy had said, you know, like he had tried to really make his company good. He had good ideas that were often turned down by his boss. And so he went and imp- implemented those ideas, created a much more successful business, and put his whole company out of business as well. Not that that was his intention, but look, when we don't value parts of the team of our personhood, and we kind of tell them what you're replaceable. Uh, I don't need my emotions. Mm, you know, I don't need to stop and think about it. I don't need to rash, you know, get my rational center or my body. I'll eat that extra 10th cookie. Ah, it's okay. Or my soul. What is that? My spirit. Mm, God, I don't need to ask God about that. <laughs> like, hey, no part is replaceable in the personhood of who you are. They all matter. They're all important. And no part is near as important as the part that makes it all work right and that is the Holy Spirit man I hope this has been helpful practical for you Uh, the last episode is coming up next it's called the practical it's going to be like the application so I hope to try to share some of how this works for me more and um, get more practical with it but I hope you understand better through all these episodes who you are, the six parts of your personhood, and, you know, how God wants to come in and heal, restore, and how God really can't do that any other way but through God's direct presence. All right. I hope that's helped. You know, I'm still on a learning journey. I'm still walking through these things, walking with God, learning, growing, still wrestling through things, you know. But it's cool. Um, It's cool how God reveals and shows and speaks and shows up. The messages God gives me, the metaphors, the parables, the narratives, the images, the vision... Like, man, I, at this point in my life, it's like so rich and deep. I feel so, so in the thick of this vast territory of God. Right in the middle, bushwhacking. Jesus actually in front of me, trailblazing for me. But like, it's just so, I'm just so into it now. It's become my life. It's become foundational. And it's become ingrained rhythms, patterns, and habits It's become just the way that I think, the way that I feel, the way that my body feels, the way that I intuit, the way that I orient myself in situations. Every moment, it's become so ingrained. And that's the end result. It's so beautiful to walk through life with God and say, God, you know, what's going on? And to know that God's going to answer and to really be in a process of that happening really more quickly and more clearly it takes a long time. Be patient. But man, you can begin to start to experience God and have God begin to reveal, show, open your mind, your eyes, your heart to see, to understand. And then you're just like, okay, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. That happened for a reason. Okay, well, I don't understand this yet, but I know it'll make sense eventually. I, I trust. Okay, this doesn't feel good. Okay, this is I'm in a bad season, I'm in a bad situation, I'm in a bad circumstance. But God, talk to me about this. It's so good to be in the middle, in the midst of that process, learning and growing, trusting, learning to step out in faith, getting stronger, being more becoming more sensitive, becoming more attuned to our inner life, our 
data centers, our being centers, understanding and growing and walking and thriving and coming to life, to life and to more life, abundant life, that wellspring. It is amazing. There are good days still and bad days, but every day with God is much better than any day without. I hope you know that. I hope you are in that process. If you're not, welcome. You can be. If you are, keep going. (laughs) It works. It works. Every truth God has uttered, it's true. God wants to lead us to abundant life, to thriving. God wants to heal us. And God does that through God's very presence. God is with you and you can begin to walk with God and hear God. Like Sojourner Truth said, I talk to God, God talks to me. God can talk to you too. Hey, love you guys. One more episode. Until then, be at peace. Be growing, be giving God the opportunity to show up. He will. Bye.